We've got some hey, I'm Luis, and I'm Luis, and you're listening to the Content is Profit podcast. We spent the last four years learning. Whoa, what, what happened, bro? What, what are you that, that was me, that was me, that was me. Okay, so this is a beautiful thing about going live. <laughs> wink, wink. Here we go. I didn't like what I said. Yeah, you went, you went super fast mm-hmm. on that okay. All right, that's fine. Ready? Or guess here, I was about to spill the beans and just say your name, but you know we we gotta keep <laughs> we gotta keep the mystery for the it's audience. A beautiful thing. All right, here we go. I'm like or guess here is like, Ready. what are these guys doing? Ready? You know? All, All right, right, let's do it. Ready? Boom. We've got some. Hey, I'm Luis, and I'm Luis, and you're listening to the Content Is Profit podcast. We spent the last four years learning the strategies and techniques from some of the top marketers in the world on how to create content that turns into profit. If you'd like to learn more on how to turn that content into profit, go to contentsprofit.com. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, guys. And today, we're going to be talking about massive scale through strategic partnerships Ooh, with baby. an awesome guest that you are already seeing because he's right, Ooh, right here. <laughs> we're, about, we're about to introduce him. We're about to give him one of... Should we like blur this for now a little bit? It, it'll mm-hmm. be pretty cool if we could like pixelate it right here <laughs> keep, keep the surprise. we have him on. All right. So today we have a special treat for you. Today's guest might be one of the most ambitious people we've had on Content is Profit podcast. He was introduced to us by none other than that Pablo or Pablo himself. He's actually the second guest we've had in studio. Uh, that deserves a big round of applause. Mm. <laughs> That's right. Today's guest is an incredible entrepreneur that has built multiple seven-figure businesses before the age of 25. That's not even the best part. Just listen to some of his life goals. They are incredible. That's right. He wants to ensure everyone in the world has access to clean water, provides so much value in the world that he becomes a billionaire, and run for president in 2052 and win. Do that. What I was lo- that? I, I love these goals. I, yes. I love these goals. Love it. So much focus and clarity. Absolutely love it. Please welcome founder and CEO of Rabbit and One Nine. Podcast host, we're still debating on the name, right? <laughs> and probably one of the most honest and straightforward people you'll ever meet, Nathan Rob. <laughs> Welcome, Nathan. No, <laughs> I-, I love this because on the form Ooh. you put that. You, you didn't like the hype, right? And we're like, we're, we're going we're to hype No, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, you say, I don't like BS or fake hype. I think, like, this is real hype. Like, okay. Yeah. I, I should have put just, I don't like hype. Okay. Well, like hype. Uh, well, too bad. We're not live. I'm sorry. Dude, but, Nate, first of all, thank you so much, man. We're we're honored to have you here in the in the studio at home. Yeah, you're, are you now, shifting now? Now I move the okay. mic so I can face Nate. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, we're we're super honored to have you here, man. Thank you so much for making the time and, and coming this way. Yeah, it's it's good to be in Jacksonville. Really thankful I picked the coldest day of <laughs> of the year, pretty much. Of the year, year to be here. That's real convenient for my, you know, getting a hotel on the beach. But it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it is a beautiful place, except these two days of the year. So thank <laughs> you for today. coming. At the end of the day, you know, know. it's all good. Right? At least we, you know, we're we're in in house for a little bit. So yeah. just a little bit. I mean, obviously, you know, we've we've learned to. We we met you a few a few months ago by now and you know we've heard from wonderful friends and from you right uh, your your take on life and, and in business in general. Why don't you share a little bit of your backstory, like where you come from and and how this like what you do, like why you do what you do now? Yeah, uh, so grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, on the outskirts uh, in Bellevue, but still consider Nashville. Uh, I hate when people say like I grew up in Dallas and it's like they grew up in like in another city. Like forward, forward, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and they're like, I yeah. lived in Dallas. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, well, that's not, that's not Dallas. Yeah. And so the same yeah. way when people are like, I grew up in Nashville, I grew up in Hendersonville. Like Taylor Swift was from Hendersonville, not from mm. Nashville. Um, so with that being said, grew up in Nashville on the outskirts, though, felt, I guess, a, a lot like Hendersonville. Um, was homeschooled my entire life. I'm the youngest of four. My dad was an IT guy. My mom was a stay-at-home mom and an artist. Um there's different types of artists. My mom's the type that can paint the entire constitution on an egg with a one hair brush. So very yeah. fine detail. Um, and I grew up, uh, you know, in a non-wealthy family and uh, knew that I had to work for anything I ever wanted in life and yeah. was okay with that. That's a good thing. Um, and so I, you know, I first wanted to, I remember being a kid and being in Kroger and seeing 
the cover of a GQ magazine and thinking like, wow, one day I'm going to be able to dress like that. Um, and that's why if like you'll see any photos of me anywhere, I'm always in a nice suit. I know I'm not today. I'm kind of traveling. We're in Florida. We're vacation um, time. So. <laughs> uh, I, I brought a suit, and this morning I was debating, like, did I put it on? <laughs> uh, but yesterday was such a long day. I was like, I just don't have the energy. Um, and I didn't want to get anything dirty because I'm going to a funeral, and that's why I packed a suit. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I – my first goal was my neighbor gave me a Ralph Lauren sweater when I was uh, 11 for Christmas. And I was like, I want more of this. I never had quality like that before. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of my, you know, start of my early ambition. Uh, started my first business at 12, watering people's plants. I went door to door and said, you know, for $10 a week, I'll water your plants. Mm-hmm. Most people said no. So then I dropped it to nine. Everyone said yes. And so I kind of <laughs> learned pricing at a young age and like just a dollar, you know, it's just $4 a month more. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. uh, you know, it, I guess it matters. <laughs> and so uh, from there, at 14, I decided I was going to start regrouping golf clubs. And I ordered business cards. I did all this stuff. And then I realized I wasn't strong enough to regroup golf clubs. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, it, it's kind of funny. I've just always kind of hopped into things and then figured it out later. Yep. Mm. And so in that... I got on Google, and on the 15th page of Google, I found an air compressor attachment where you would shoot the grips, grips in with an air compressor instead of using solvent. Now, solvent smells like gasoline, takes about 48 hours to dry, uh, and I still wasn't strong enough with it. When you use an air compressor, you just use soap and water, it takes 30 minutes to dry, uh, and it doesn't hurt the grip, where solvent over time could crack mm. the grip or whatever. Um, so I started regrouping golf clubs with a new process. Uh, which you know still blew my like still blows my people to this day. Not everybody's using air compressors, which yeah. is a far better. You just shoot it in. <laughs> yeah. um, and I don't know to this day if I'm strong enough to rig a golf club on my own. You know, like I wasn't as a kid. I still don't know if I am as an adult. Um, started rigging golf clubs, and I uh, volunteered at the golf course. I could play for free. It was a Metro golf course. Yeah. And what I would do is I would play golf all day long during the summer, and I would bet people, hey, if I beat you on this hole. Uh, you got to get your clubs regripped. And so I didn't understand that I was a hustler, but I would like purposely play bad so that they would accept the bet when I offered it on the fourth hole, which was my favorite hole. (laughs) And so I could win. And then I found out that was wrong and bad, but I can fully say I had no idea. You know, it's like when Gary Vee talks about picking plants and then selling to the neighbors. Like he was just, he didn't know it was wrong. Uh, Insane. Didn't know it was wrong. Yeah. Um, And then I eventually started playing with some NFL players and got really into gambling then I knew that was wrong, <laughs> but the money was so good. I was like, well. Wow. <laughs> um, and so, anyway, that was 14, 16. I made a mistake doing algebra, uh, which is just me doing algebra is a mistake. I mean, I still to this day don't understand <laughs> how algebra works. Um, started a clothing line, a shirt shirt company, and I uh, was able to scale that. And uh, that was kind of my first exit at 17. And then at 18, I was like, everybody who's rich is in real estate. That's where I'm going to go. And I go to real estate school. And I make the most wrong assumption of my life, which leads to where I am now, which is Mm -hmm. I see 50 people in real estate school, and I think these 50 people are going to need websites, they're going to need logos, they're going to need business cards, they're going to need marketing, they're going to need to look different, they're going to need to, like, you know, build brands. Yeah. But the truth is that 50 go to real estate school, 40 graduate, 20 take their test, 10 pass it, five go on to place their license, and one goes to sell more than two homes a year. And of that one, he needs to see the value of building a brand. Cool. A good example is one of my clients now, finally, after seven years, Brad Reynolds, thinkbrad.com. He sold by himself with no team $100 million worth of real estate. Wow. Residential, $100 million. Impressive. Wow. Still complained about spending twenty grand for a website. <laughs> Never had a website until this year when we built his website during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the website looks killer, but it's like sells a hundred million dollars worth of real estate, doesn't have a website, doesn't see the value in it. No. Uh, and so that led me to be like, all right, well, uh, real estate's not the spot for this. Uh, yeah. And I didn't have any other ideas, so I just kind of kept hustling at it. Uh, and then at twenty one, I realized I was an idiot. And so I accepted the truth about myself, which is something I talk about a lot. Um, you know, it's okay to be an idiot. It's okay to be a bad person. It's okay to uh, be a scumbag, you know, because uh, we have redemption. We're able to change ourselves. We're able to accept the truth and, and turn from a bad path. Yeah. So I accepted the truth about myself. Uh, and then I went on to go start reading 100 books a year. Then went on to build a seven-figure business. Uh, then went on to almost 
uh, burned down that business because we had no recurring revenue. It was all one-time payments. Mm. And so yeah. when uh, we worked, tough lesson. So when there wasn't <laughs> deal flow, it's like, oh, and then I still have expenses and, you know, yep. learned a lot from there. Uh, kind of rebuilt it back up, was uh, ready for something new. I've been praying for years. Like, God, give me the next, uh, you know, what's next? Does anyone want to cut off that music? It's driving me crazy. <laughs> um, Bam. There we go. <laughs> like magic. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, editor. Here we go. <laughs> uh, sorry. You can add it in post if that's okay. It's oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, and so there was, I was, you know, just God, just give me what what is next in my, my career. I know yeah. that I'm talented. I know how to scale businesses. I really understand these things, but I don't want to just hop to something because I'm bored. Yeah. And what I never want to do is what every entrepreneur, like a lot of entrepreneurs, when they get success for the very first time, they yeah. think they're invisible and then they go start like 10 other businesses. Mm. And so every, like if you meet a, a fake entrepreneur, this is, the case through entrepreneurs too. So I guess if you sometimes you'll meet an entrepreneur and they're like, Oh, I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this. But if they're acting as CEO of all those companies, then they don't really do anything. Yeah. Uh, if they actually own something or they're an investor in something that's being involved in it, mm -hmm. but you should really have one singular thing you do mm -hmm. now, right now I kind of have two because of the pandemic kind of hurt one company. And so then I went back to the other company that was doing well during the pandemic. And I'm probably getting ready with the next, you know, three months to leave and go right back to the company. Now that, we're post COVID yeah. elections ever post COVID and it will be a good time to, you know, scale that back up and I can be full time there. But I really do believe in just doing one thing mass masterfully well, like yeah. super, super well. And then uh, if you need to start another company, hire a CEO, whatever the case is, but really have multiple assets and not Absolutely. that you're just like the CEO of all these different things. Love it. Yeah. Th thank you. Thank you for sharing. I mean, one word that comes to mind is resourceful, right? Like you started at this very young age, uh, probably your background it's very different to the majority of people here in, in United States or in Venezuela where we grew up, right? Uh, but what it seems to me, and I think you mentioned you, you were homeschooled, correct? Like it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a different environment, obviously, than most people go through. And, you know, when we came to the United States, our point of view was a little bit different. We weren't homeschooled, but the education system is completely different, right? So maybe is that something that you feel like uh, helped you see opportunities because like from the very age the very young age you started finding these opportunities and you just like tackle them and you know something that uh, i wrote here is like commit and then figure out right uh hustler in, the, in disguise and i relate at a, at, a, at a degree because when we were growing up uh our parents were like hey if you want that figure out right like you you like I'm not going to give you money, right? So the opportunities there, we, we ended up going to this, like, uh, market where we would, like, buy these soccer T-shirts. They're counterfeit soccer T-shirts. Again, we didn't know that we were doing it wrong. <laughs> but they looked exactly the same, and yeah. we will buy them for, like, five bucks, and then we'll go to our private school, and we'll sell them for 50 bucks, right? And then we're like, oh, sweet, now I can buy my cell phone, right? And uh, so I, I relate with that, with that feeling, right? Like, do you think, like, that environment was... Uh, somewhat of a trigger to start uh, spotting all these opportunities early on? I was a really strange kid. Uh, I recently interviewed my dad, and he said that the reason they pulled me out of school is because they just didn't know what to do with me. So mm. a good example is during recess when all the kids would go play with all the like all the kids, I would sit there and talk to the teachers when I was five years old. Wow. So like I wanted to go play, yeah. and I wanted to sit there and talk to the teachers. Mm. My best friend was my 65-year-old neighbor, Charlie. It was like a, constru a construction worker. So I was just always kind of yeah. an odd kid. Mm -hmm. um, and I was also, I had a lot of confidence and extreme self-assurance that I was going to be fine. Um, I, I really understood from an early age that money is what run, ran the world. And so mm -hmm. I just was like, all right, I'm going to make a lot of money. And my dad would always say, like, you got to find what you love and become really good at it. And that's how you make money. You don't just set out to make money and then make money. Yeah. And he was wrong. That's not the truth. Like, if you want to make money, you got to go find ways to, like, it, there's a difference between being passionate at something. Like, think about all the amazing photographers and videographers yeah. and even businesses that exist, freelancers out there, like, that are really good at the job but don't know how to make money. It's a different Absolutely. thing. Like, saying, I want to make money is way different mm -hmm. than saying, like, I want to be, I want to find my passion and be really good at it. Now, and I, and I would always tell my dad, like, my passion's making money. And he's like, that's not a thing. That's not. It's like, yes, it is. Like, I, that is the enjoyment. Getting deals yeah. done is, you know, maybe it's the, the process of getting a deal done is most exciting. Yeah. Um, like, if I ever see myself entering venture capital, it's because I love, like, seeing something, figuring out our plan of execution, putting the capital behind it. I, so I love idea. To, like, you know, I love taking ideas and making them happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, I feel like you think in a very strategic way 
of of everything, right? I mean, we're having conversations before this, and I could tell too, you're a very very logical person that you're gonna find this step by step on how I'm gonna do this, and then you go and you do it. Yeah, I want to have like I want to know, have a general idea of what I'm trying to do, um, yeah. and. I can be wrong in that, but at least I have like, all right, this is, you know, that plans change, obviously, but I can have yeah. a general framework of what I'm trying to accomplish and be very focused on it. Like the, the ability to be focused on what you're trying to accomplish is huge. Yeah. Um, like my lovely girlfriend who's behind here, we got in a huge fight before the largest meeting of this year for me. Mm. Um, this meeting determines the future of my company. I mean, it could be that big. Um, and we were like, like she was crying, like a, just an awful fight like on our way to this meeting. And like, I never once showed emotion. I think I like raised my voice once, but I was just locked in at like, I'm trying to handle this. And I'm also dead set on this meeting. And I had to walk yeah. into this meeting with her and that's like, everything's fine. And because I, I needed to be locked in, I need ability to be emotional here, but also locked in on what actually mattered. Yeah. And so I knew that, okay, I have a long time to figure it out with her on where I made a mistake or where there's a miscommunication or whatever the case mm -hmm. is. I only have one shot with this meeting I'm about to be in. So like clear mental focus is is an extreme, yeah. uh, extreme thing that you can't really, uh, I don't think you're born with. I think you just have to like be put in enough circumstances to, to be able to do yeah. that. that. That's interesting. I was, I was about to ask, you know, cause I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs like you just met, like you just mentioned that they say I do this and that and all this other stuff. And in reality, they're not doing anything. Right. And for us, a big lesson this year has been focus. Like yeah. let's do one thing, one service, that's yeah. all we're going to do, right? And that's <laughs> yeah. when we actually started seeing results. So I'm curious, you know, what do you see in, in these people that is not allowing them to develop that focus, right? Like what, what is keeping them away from, you know, taking that action that, yeah, that is Yeah, I mean, needed? typically, like most things, people are just lying to themselves. Mm. Like they're, uh, sometimes it's like the reason they can't, Sometimes people do 20 different things and make a buck doing all 20 different things because they need that 20 bucks. So they do 20 yeah. things and make a buck each. They need that 20. And their lifestyle needs that 20. Yeah. So my lifestyle needs three bucks. And so, therefore, I don't have to be focused on whether I make 20 or 100 or one because I only, like, I have, a like, a fits to where my, where my stuff is. So mm -hmm. I think that people, they get a little bit of cash and they're like, okay, cool. It's enough cash to start something else and get even more money. Yeah. Um, and... But what they don't realize is that to build something sustainable, it's got to be much bigger than where it's at now. Yeah. So, like, sustainability for you, like, let's say that y'all, you can have the car you want and a nice house and everything you want mm -hmm. at 10 clients. Mm -hmm. But at, you're not stable at 10. You're just able to support yeah. your stuff at 10. Absolutely. So at 20 or 30 clients, you're able to actually be stable. And so I think a lot of people think they're far more stable than they actually are, which mm -hmm. means when they leave, that company goes down. or they, And so they're always hustling for the next thing. Yeah. And so you got to focus on, like, what does actual stability look like? Yeah. Like, and, and so for me, stability looks like um, if our expenses are 25 grand a month, then I need uh, 75 grand a month of cash flow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at least locked in for the next 18 months to two years. That's stability to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's interesting. And so, because if you think about it, like if you're 25 grand of cash flow and you're 20 grand of expenses, you could work, let's, you could have no mistakes and for five months and then just, it could be one down month and you're, you're back to, you're, you're yeah. then cutting again. So yeah. like what stable looks like. And so uh, most people, when I say they're lying to themselves is they're trying to find what's going to produce them enough money. Yep. And that's why they did one thing. It's like, oh, that's not getting what I want. I'll go to this, see if I can get this. So they're always trying to find that one hit. Yeah. Um, and what I recommend is try to find that in the business you're in. So, yep. for example, like one nine does design and development. So that's visual branding, that's websites, that's web development, web apps, stuff like that. And recently we built a software for a gym that is – allows them to start and manage referral programs, essentially. So they're able to mm -hmm. start their own referral program and manage it. And, you know, when you listen to, like, Joe Rogan, it's like, Joe Rogan, or it's like athleticgreens.com slash Rogan for 20% off. Mm -hmm. So it creates a referral link for every single member of the gym with a free offer on it. Amazing. So it's, uh, in this case, it's titlenash.com for title bots and club, titlenash.com slash rough, and you get two free classes at title bots and club. And then if you get your two free classes and eventually sign up for a membership – then our system notifies them that they need to credit you uh, or credit me for, exactly. for yeah. me referring for you. Uh -huh. So we built that system, and I then partnered with the owner of, of Title Nashville, which is the number one location of all Title Boxing Clubs, nice. 
to go sell to all the other title bots and clubs. So it, it almost is working like its own company right now, but it's still doing the same thing. Yeah. No. So what it's always like, what can you do internally that could help? Like, like do you do one thing really, really well? Yeah. And then look at different, instead of launching different companies, launch different campaigns inside of your company. Yeah. And when I was really scaling the web design company, we didn't look at like, oh, here's a campaign. Like we tried 10 campaigns at once and just see if any of them stick. Just kind of always throwing out, like if all your focus is on one company, you can always be marketing, doing everything for that company. Yeah, dude, I, I, I find fascinating how your mind works, right? Like, and uh, because it's been very rare that we've been having conversations like this one, right? Um, to the positive and, and uh, you know, past interactions like when we met you you were very clear and very honest you're like hey guys you know i'm literally straight to the chase right like if if i don't like it i'm gonna tell you this doesn't mean xyz it means you know this right yep. and i remember we had a call uh if, an example the music right you're like dude i don't like that like can you shut <laughs> it up i'm like absolutely man like and, yeah. and no offense taken nothing because yeah. uh, it is what it is right and and i love that and then the other one is like we had uh this side of the process that, that we implement with a lot of our clients which has been coming from their feedback and maybe because of our technical abilities, right? Cannot be better or like at another level, right? It solves a problem. But I remember having that conversation and we presented to you like the first thing I'm, I'm picking up the phone, right? And I'm like, man, he's going to be so excited. This is finally up, right? And what you say is like, man, like um, I was disappointed, right? <laughs> and I was like, what? Right? And I'm like, man, but at the same time, like, uh, it took, and I think like it's been like this last year has been massive growth personally and in yeah. the business too. So because I had that conversation with, with you earlier, I was like, man, like this is going to be constructive criticism, right? It's one of those things, it's a sample, right? Like we're throwing it out there. And then immediately after what you said was like, hey, what is your dream that, right? Uh, and we're talking about the content hub, right? For those that are familiar with the service, like what is your dream content hub? And until you asked that question, I really didn't think about that because yeah. I was solving an issue that my current clients have, but I'm not looking for two, three, four years ahead. And in your head, you're you're there, right? So we're like, man, like that sparked, we can immediately we came back in here and we're like, this is a very interesting question because now like if you have a clean slate, right? Like it, it's still a vertical of the business, what right? What does perfect look like? I always ask that to our clients. What does mm. perfect look like? What does ideal look like? Are you That's asking me for real now? No, no, no. no. He say he uh, uh, exa to his clients. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. Like if we're going to build something, I need to know what perfect looks like. Exactly. So in my eyes, right, for the current clients that we have, what the solution that we have is perfect for them, right? We've had people saying like, we signed up with you guys because of that, right? Uh, so in my head, right, because I'm, I'm serving them, uh, there's no need, right? But then you come along and we're like, man, we can elevate this so much, right? And, and it's interesting. So I, I encourage everybody listening and watching that to have those conversations, right? To be open about it. Was that something that was innate to you or you had to learn it? You know, I think that's very uh, consultant minded. And mm. uh, my dad is super negative is how I always described him. Um, but he says, well, I used to turn around plants. And so I had to go in there, identify all the problems and then like put together a plan to fix them all. Mm. So uh, maybe it's, Maybe it's not being negative. Like I never try to be negative on things. I'm just noticing things and I do always think about business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and mm -hmm. so, yeah, I, I don't know how it is. I'm just always trying to look what, like I'm trying to build things that scale. And so yeah. when mm -hmm. I look at like a content hub, I'm like, man, this is useful for a bunch of different businesses. I could probably charge you a hundred bucks a month to give you an awesome content hub that did everything your clients could ever want. And, you know, so I look at that. I'm like, cool, this is, the reason I want to create a perfect one of this, I'll give it to you guys for free. You'll be my test dummies on it. It'll be great. And then together we can go sell it to everybody else that does this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, look, this is the best content hub. And then we are building our recurring revenue. And it's like, Absolutely. it's just, so I'm, what I, I'm scaling a product inside the existing company. Yeah. I, I, I love it. It's like you live with a constant like scaling mentality. And I was, I actually wanted to, you know, preface this question with, I was listening the other day to a podcast with... Um, and I had to learn that because you got to think, I built a company that hit zero because I had no yeah. recurring revenue. Yeah. So I was like, cool, I want to scale things. I want to scale things that pay me monthly. Absolutely. So that if things fall off, I can still like pay bills. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And it makes sense, right? And it, what I'm saying, like it reminds me of this conversation with Phil Jones. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a yeah. salesman from the UK. Yeah, Phil M. Jones yeah. on his Instagram. Yeah, yeah. And, and he was talking about not aiming to be 
he says, I, I don't want you to think about terms of best because he says best implies that there's a ceiling. He says, I want you to think in terms of better, right? So how can I be better? And then how can I be better? So you keep growing every single time. And I, I think that's how you are approaching all these things. When you see something, you're like, how can I make this better? Your question is, how can I make this perfect, right? But then when you get there, is there another perfect yeah. after that, right? <laughs> so every everybody spends so much time defending things sucking. Oh, well, this didn't work out because, yeah. because uh, you know, the you got me access late or this, this, or the, the content or the video wasn't high enough quality. To, it's like always defending, 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 defending. Mm -hmm. So if you approach things like this is just the strategy, then there's like, there's no, there, I'm not defending it. I'm just throwing out, this is the plan and this is what we went with. Mm -hmm. If it felt cool, we'll mark up another plan. Yeah. yeah. Like right now we're working on this, this healthcare deal together. Yeah. And I've said from day one with them is like, oh, we don't have results yet. It's like, that sucks. Like, we're just as disappointed as you. We're going to keep grinding, keep trying, yeah, keep, yeah. you know, because mm -hmm. like the goal is that like, like there is a problem and you hired us to solve it. And I gave you a strategy that I thought would lead to success. It has not led to success yet. And that is okay. We're going to yeah. keep iterating. Yeah. We're going to keep trying. We're going to keep, because I didn't promise you. I never promised you that's going to work. Exactly. You hire me to build a website for you. You hire me to build a platform for you. You hire me for consulting. Like, like if JWB hires me to build their studio, I can guarantee you it will work right. I'll put it in a contract because you're hiring me to do a certain thing. But if you're hiring me to solve a business problem, unless I guarantee it, then it's just a strategy that I'm working hard to implement and make successful. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not, I have nothing to defend because it's like, I want, I want the, I'm just as pissed as you are. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. it's all about positioning, and so when people position themselves, they do anything to get the deal, and then they get the deal, and it doesn't go as they they want it to <laughs> exactly. deal, and they're like, oh, and so they're defending, you know, it's defense, defense, defense. But when you told them from day one, fifty percent chance this probably fails because most strategies do. They're like, all right, I appreciate that he's honest. I appreciate Absolutely. that we we know what you know, like like I just want to set level, honest conversations, you yeah, know, and, or expectations. I mean, yeah, um, yeah. I, I think you're. And I want to really do that via honest level conversations. Yeah, and I do that. I think you're great at setting the expectations and, and boundaries. Right? It's like, hey, this is what we're expecting, and this is what you guys can expect from us as well. Right? And yeah, yeah. like the reason I tell people that we charge so much is because I uh, want to never say no to you. Like yeah. the reason I I, I charge a lot is because when you call me at one in the morning and say, "Can we do this?" I go, "Yeah, no, not a problem." Mm. Yeah. But guess what? If you're gonna pay me. Like a lot less than no, I'm gonna be a dick to you, and I'm gonna have like a standard like you have this much you can talk to me about this yeah. much stuff. Yeah, so, dude. Okay, so I love that because you know we sell a little bit of higher higher ticket service to whatever the competition or whatever like whoever is doing something similar to us, right? And one of the things like you guys have access to us, right? Like and and with a lot of people that we've been like helping with the platforms and and do this, there are people that are starting up with like a service or something, right? And and a lot of people are really scared to to jack their prices up, right? For example, right? I'm gonna give you an example. Uh, we're working with this coach in Colombia, right? That he lived in the in the corporate environment and he had like this massive desire to to coach people, right? On his thing, he has a a thing called LMT, right? But he didn't know who he wanted to coach really. Like he didn't have like a dream client. Like it was like, I just want to coach people. Right. So we're like, okay, you know, start publishing. That's the first thing that, that you got to do. Start saying your message out there, see who resonates with this. Uh, so he starts doing it. He does 45 days of straight Facebook lives. He gets some responses here and there, starts crafting his message. And then he launches a podcast, right? A, a platform, which in, uh, you know, in South America, it might be like less, like less people might be doing it than here in the States. And, and that elevates your status. Right. So with that, Right. As you're elevating your status, as you're elevating your trust factor, like your different things. Right. You could potentially charge more for whatever service. Right. So then he ends up in a conversation with uh, a human resource manager of a massive company. And this human resource manager was like, hey, we want to hire you. Right. We we've listened to your content. We've been around this and, and we we trust you. We understand what you're saying. And I think like you could add a lot of value to our team. Well, the team was 200 people. Right. So. It's the first time in his life that he's selling something for a company to for to two hundred people, right? So, uh, in his mind, he's like, "I don't know how much I'm gonna charge, right? <laughs> I have no idea. It's the first time I, I do this." So what he says is like, "Hey, uh, I want this to be a long term relationship, right? So you come back with you know a proposal, right? Like, and and then we'll make it happen, right?" But in his mind, he's like, "I have no idea <laughs> what to charge you." So 
the reaction of that other person was like, man, like I, I, I don't know if we can afford you, right? And then they come back with a proposal and it was like almost three times more of what he thought he was going to get. So why do people in business, especially when they're starting up, right? And I don't, I don't, I honestly don't think that you had this problem, but why do you think people struggle so much with uh, charging more? Yeah, it's like, I feel like valuing themselves, right? Like they devalue themselves. So there's, there's a lot of reasons, but the obvious is you have bills, like I need this deal to go through to be able to pay my mm. bills. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not it's just about like I got needs I got to fulfill. And a lot of people miss out on that. A lot of people are like, "Oh, well just say no, you know, to the wrong client." No, say yes to the wrong client if it pays your rent. Yeah. Like having a roof over your head is more important than being happy. Uh like so you know, it's like, yeah, of course in perfect world, in dreamland, in lollyland, like all my clients are great and they'll pay me a ton of money. And it's like, yeah, we have terrible clients. Mm-hmm. Like some are just too demanding and annoying, but guess what? I got bills. Yeah. Like I got a sweet pinball machine in my house. I got a <laughs> sweet studio because people paid me. And you know what? Sometimes my life is stressful because of it, but it's like, I understand that I got bills and like, this is the road to it. So like there's part of it. It's like that people have like, unless you have, you know, a guy I know who he saved for, he saved three years salary before he left his company to start his own business. From day one, he's never accepted one client that isn't a good fit. He doesn't have to. He saved three years of salary. Exactly. No pressure. No financial. So financial pressure is why people do that to themselves. If there's mm-hmm. no financial pressure, people don't do that. Because it's yeah. it's only about the deal, the value you're providing, the client, everything else. Yeah. I, I, it's not fun. I mean, I was going to say it's funny that you mentioned that, but it's not really fun. Like, it's real, right? Like, we, we experienced that. I, at first, we were... We're operating from a place of need a few years back where, you know, every opportunity was like, yes, is yes, right? And through that thousand yeses that we said, we, we were able to discover what we're really good at first, right? So we're like, then we started, you know, filtering the people like, well, you know, we don't do that anymore. You can go here, right? And then we really focus on this. And then it was like, narrow it down, narrow it down, narrow it down to the type of content that we produce now. Like, you're very familiar with it. Uh, so people come in like, hey, you guys do content. Like, can you guys do a wedding video? And we're like, absolutely no. Right? You know, we can send you to, like, Nate's photographer and videographer. That's amazing. By the way, we're going to put the link of the, the video that we're just watching. If you let us know, you put it in the, in the, in the comments, which is amazing. Anyways, so, so through that journey, right, like, we learned to do that. And then when we came to a place of abundance where we, like, filtered the thing through execution, right? Like you said, you start saying yeses. Then we got to this point where we are now had the luxury to kind of pick and choose-ish, right? Or have the conversation with people that that we think it will be a great fit for the service, which delivers uh, recurring revenue month after month, right? So uh, you're totally right, man. I think, yeah, I, you know, we were in that position and, and it was challenging at first because of that identity, yeah. I guess, like, trying and to find it. It's good to challenge. It's good to have tough things. It's good to have bad clients. Yeah. Um, I have an old employee who texted me like at 1 a.m. last night. <laughs> and <laughs> I was asleep, but I saw this morning... And it was just like, oh, I'm going to quit. My boss is so terrible and this, 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 this. And, you know, it's like all these things. And I guess she thinks I'm, you know, I don't know. I'm like kind of thinking like, why are you telling me? (laughs) We don't talk. It's not like we're like, she worked for me. And then like, you know, maybe I wish her like happy birthday every, you know, it's not like I'm like, we're not, I don't follow her on Instagram. Like we're not that close of friends or anything. Yeah. And, uh, but she sees, okay, you're a business owner. You know how this stuff works. Like, you know, and I, and I told her, I was like, look, your boss is difficult and you're at a large company. Mm. There's a way to get them fired. There's a way to document everything they do that's difficult. Go to HR and make a case for it. Mm-hmm. And so right now you're thinking, life's tough. I want to run from it. When the answer is, no, run into it. Like, like mm-hmm. understand that there is a war and this is maybe, uh, or maybe there's been a bunch of battles and you've been mm-hmm. losing those battles and losing those battles, but the war is not over and you need to put together a strategy to win the war. Um, yeah. And sometimes, you know, like if the problem is your boss, but you like what you do and you like your company, then getting your boss fired or boss reformed or whatever the case is, she said like since people had quit that worked for the boss and all these things, then the key is to get rid of that boss and make yeah. that your target and your end goal. And so it's, it's identifying the problem and then attacking it. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know what question I was answering when I got into that. <laughs> I mean, um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, I, uh, I think is it evolves a little bit about, you know, business and how we operate as far as like, are we really happy with this? Like, do we have the security? Yeah. Do yeah. We have so like, the thing is like, the problem is like, Oh, I'm unhappy at work. Well, why are you unhappy? Cause of one single thing. All you do is you need to fix that one thing, which is the boss. You don't need yeah. to change what you do. You need to change your pay. It's, it's just this one. You just got to fix that one problem. Yeah. So when people get a bad client, they're like, Oh, this client sucks. Okay. What mm-hmm. sucks about them? Exactly. 
And it's like, oh, they never pay on time. Okay, cool. Tell them that I don't do work until I'm paid. Problem fixed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this client, uh, they demand too much. Okay, we'll set restrictions on how much they can demand. Um, this client doesn't value me. Well, do they pay you? Cool. Like, yeah. if they don't, like, why does that bug you if they don't value you? That's a you problem, not a them problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that talks onto what you were saying on, you know, people become defensive. It's like, oh, it's because of this. You know, try, try to put excuses on the exterior when most <laughs> things is like, let me look oh, inside. Yeah. And yeah. I think that goes back to your story when you said you turned 21 and you, you said, you, I realized I was an idiot, right? Yeah, I never read before. I never, like, I just kind of, mm -hmm. like, just got by. Like, I knew how to make money, but I didn't really know anything. Yeah. I knew and how to provide value. I knew how to do what I said I was going to do because I was raised in a household. That's what you did. But that's, yeah. and so therefore I had good integrity and all these other things, but I didn't have like a clue about like yeah. how anything actually worked. Yeah. I don't think I'd ever paid taxes before. Um, you know, so I had to pay back like an insane amount to the IRS. Like I just didn't know how things worked. You know, yeah. you don't learn that stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, mean, I was homeschooled. I didn't learn that stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm curious, you know, what, what was it that led you to that? Like you said, redemption, right? So, What it was is that I, from a very, very young age, was like, I want to be a CEO of a massive company. Like, that's mm -hmm. what I wanted. I want to scale a massive company and be the CEO of a massive company. And so when I would Google, like, what do CEOs do? And it's like, everyone, they read a lot. Okay, I guess I got to do that. <laughs> got to start know, like, reading. <laughs> you know, like, it's one of those things. I didn't yeah. read because I wanted to read it because I was interested. I eventually got there. Yeah. But I just knew that, okay, everybody who's gotten this role of a CEO, every single person. Yeah. They read a ton. The average CEO reads 50 books a year. Yeah. You know, and so what I was like, all right, well, I don't think I'm going to be any different than that. Now, there's another way to look at it. Another way is you hear Gary Vee say that he's written more books than he's read. And you're like, cool, I'm going to be the massive CEO and not read. But I, you know, I'm not, again, not good at math. But when I look at how for every 10,000 CEOs, there's one Gary Vee that was able not to read and get there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and my friend Chandler Welling, who just got acquired. Congratulations, Welling Media. Yeah, let's go. Um And he's partially acquired. Now he's a member in like a, a fund and they're an acquired. I mean, it's just a really cool setup. Right. He's never read before ever. I don't think he's ever read a book. Um, <laughs> and that's like one of his things. And it's like, that's cool. You know, he made it. I mean, like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, insane people, intelligence and uh, overall great guy. But, you know, so there are for every 10,000 CEOs, there is the Gary, there is the Chandler. Um, but for me, I was like, cool, I want a better chance. <laughs> I <would. laughs> so I'm going to be the chance of the other 9,998, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> of course. That, yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because it's not like there's anything. There's very rarely there's something special about somebody. It's just yeah. that they put in the hard work. So so why, why do you think like people avoid that? Because like here here's my thought. Like, I feel like a lot of people tend to escape, right, from – Or fight against that, right? Like they see like these people up there, like the CEOs. Right? We're we're very big fans of business wars, right? And and you have like this novelized like uh, series of like awesome awesome big companies, right, against each other. And you start identifying these traits of the people that are leading that, right? And then you start in, in investigating and like finding out a little bit like what they did, right? So if I want to be there, like what you said, take like ma makes complete logic, right? And we think the same. It's like, dude, if we want to be there, like, let's do what they did, right? Like, for the amount of time that they did it, right? Success, leave clues, right? Absolutely. But I feel like the majority of the people, right, of the environments that we were in before, tried to go against it. Like, let, like they did it. Awesome. But I'm going to try my way. Why do you think people react that way, right? May, are they not cut up <laughs> for that? Like, what, what's, the, what's the thing? Uh, you know, so I always say we're all broken in need of a savior, Uh, and so with that, I think all of us have a little bit of pride in us. Yeah. Uh, all of us have a little bit of ignorance in us. Uh, you know, so there, there's just, we're mankind, you know, mm -hmm. like we're, we're, we're imperfect people. Um, and it's very easy to say the bats been against, like there's very easy when there's not chaos to want to create it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so sometimes the pride keeps it. If, if this is the answer everybody says, then I'm not going to do it because they, you know, I didn't go to college. Everybody said that was the answer. And it's like, Well, it doesn't mean that it, the other side's always the better way, you know? Like, yeah. I didn't go to college either, you know? But it's like, so there, there's there's just a environments and things change. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that's that people, it's just like pride. And, yeah. and, like, I think that's what it comes down to is just human nature or fallen selves. And, like, that's, they, they don't, mm. they're not looking at this from, like, a logical, clear-minded, no ego, no, like, they're just, they're, 
other things are coming into factor yeah, here. Yeah, absolutely. And so, again, it starts with, like, accepting the truth about yourself. And so if, if you're not willing to accept the truth about yourself, I don't know, and it's hard to where we go from there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, it's, it's easy for me to look in the mirror and go, wow, I can be a narcissist. Like, I can see that about myself. I can see that I have, like, if you look at most people that are type A or number eight on the Enneagram, especially as me, or, like, on the disc profile, I'm, like, pretty much 100% D. Like, I have the... My personality type is that of a of ninety eight percent of CEOs in the U.S. and so I understand. Great chances now, sweet. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And so I look at that, I and it. I don't know if that's because that's been my goal for so long, and my and I was eventually mm-hmm. formed, or I was made yeah. to be that way, or whatever the case is. I I don't know that. Yeah. Uh, but I do know that I I don't fight against what exists. And I don't fight again. Like I, I try to just take my, my ego and my pride out of things and be like, all right, this is just the way things are. Yeah. And so when you look at people who are re- refusing to do that, it's like typically they're trying to hold, like they're just, they want to hold back. There, there's something there. Um, I mean, it's, it's a tough question. It's really tough to answer, but yeah. Yeah. Th- there's something about people are so in their business that they can't see outside their business and therefore they don't understand like how to blow it up. And they just think that like, they think that they're the answer. Yeah. You know, when you're never the answer, it's like who your next hire is the answer. Yeah. Like, like it's never about what I can do. I'm one person. I'm one mm. single person. I could die today. Like, it's just, like, I don't really matter in the equation. It's really about my next hire. It's like, like when there's a problem in my company, it's because like a developer messed it up. So what's my answer? Get a better developer. You know, it's like, it's so very, really it's about you. It's just about like your next hire. And these things are like, sometimes it's about the sacrifices you have to make. I mean, you know, when I see people that have a company that's two million a year, and they take a million off the table for themselves, it's like, yeah, well, of course your company's never going to scale or grow. You take <laughs> every bit yeah. of of juice there could be to grow and keep it for yourself. Like, of course. So until they make that sacrifice to take two hundred off the table and still live an amazing life, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. And so I don't know. There, there's there's a lot of ways to answer that question. You really got to go case by case. But yeah. I, I do think yeah. that people's uh, egos play a, a, big, a big role one. in that. Yeah. Do, do you think people can actually change their personality, right? Because you, right now you mentioned this like uh, personality test, for example, that you did, right? But do you think it's someone, right, that is listening to this right now? They're like, I don't, I don't fit there right now, yeah. but I do want to be there. Yeah, so you got to accept the truth, which is like, okay, the truth is that people that get things done are typically very assertive. People that build companies are assertive. People that, uh, that doesn't mean that people that build companies are great at PR. Yeah. Uh, that means that you could be a great operational guy. And that's why, like, you don't have to be an introvert or extrovert to build a company. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but you might understand, like, these different traits. Like, okay, I need to be more clear in my communication. I need to be better. Uh, like, for example, if you really struggled with getting no's, then you should try to do something where you get a ton of no's. Um, mm. You know, I would never recommend somebody join uh, multi-level marketing company because it's the worst decision you'll ever make in your entire <laughs> life. But on the other end of that, if you want to join a cult and then go sell all your friends to join this cult, <laughs> that's a, where you're going to get a bunch of no's and a lot of people are going to talk a logical reason to you and you're going to, you know, if you're dumb, you're just going to continue. You all just don't get it. You know, buy, you buy the toilet paper and then you sell, just, you sell it for a markup. You know, I don't know. <laughs> um, but you, you'll get no getting rejection, yeah, right? Like there's something that's just like building where, exactly. where you fall. So like my right. problem is I have almost no empathy, like almost none. It's like my biggest problem in relationships and everything in my entire life is that I really struggle to be empathetic. And so, like, I'm in counseling now for it. Um, I'm in fights constantly about it. I've <laughs> uh, been reading some books about it. I do audio books, uh, listen to podcasts. Like, I'm just, like, I'm trying to be more, because I understand that it's, like, a Leveling big shortcoming. That, it did yeah. it did help me, um, yeah. and it does help in business. But on the other end, it's, like, a pretty terrible, like, you know, like, guess who else didn't have probably empathy? Hitler. Hitler probably didn't have empathy. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be Hitler. Uh, so, yeah. like, you just got to, like, recognize some truths about yourself. Like, I'm accepting about my truth. I don't, the truth of myself is I don't have a lot of emp- empathy. Yeah. Where people go wrong is like, oh, I put it in there. I'm fine. <laughs> I, I was actually going to ask about that, too, you know, because, I mean, not like I don't think you have empathy. <laughs> but I, but I, I, I know it's, like, clear communication, right? And, yeah. again, we said it in the intro. You're one of the most honest people that, that we've met, right? And yeah. that sometimes comes out of 
man, like he doesn't care about me, right? And, <laughs> and some people, some people feel that, right? And I'm not saying this because he didn't say that to me when yeah. you told him about the content. <laughs> no, you know, I, I promise. <laughs> that's 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 such a good thing, though. Like, that's nothing to do, you yeah. have nothing to do with your business. Yeah, no, We're absolutely. Talking to George oh. Brand the other day is like that's the thing, right? Like uh, you know, we get attached to the other people's results. We don't have to, exactly. right? Like, we don't have, yeah. Uh, and you go ahead. Sorry. No, no, so, so that, that, that was my, I, I, I was just wondering, you know, where do you see being empathetic in this equation is, right? But you just, uh, you just answered so, it. So, so here's the thing, like how, how I see it, right? I, I think I'm too empathetic, right? Like, and, and I struggle with that for the longest time. Like I, I used to manage a few fitness locations here in town and I had a very hard time making decisions because I was too empathetic with the people that were working for me, right? Like I, I would get to like very close like relationship with them, like as, as a friend and then making the business decision was really hard. Yeah. So it was like the complete opposite. And the reason it was hard is because you didn't set it up right. Exactly. So, so it's not about, you can still be just as empathetic, but it's about setting it up right. So from day one, you said, look, I'm going to be your best friend. It's who I am. I'm a people person. I love people. I love the team. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do anything to help you grow. I'm going to do any, you know, I'm going to be on your side 100%. Yeah. But look, one day I might have to make a decision to fire you. One day I might have to make things that I don't control, but I have to, you know, I have to do these things as part of running the business or running these stores that I yeah. have to do this. And I want you to know it has nothing to do with our relationship. We could be best friends and I could fire you. Yeah. Like that has nothing to do with our relationship. This just has to do with work and I had to do my job to the best of my ability and I can't play favorites because I play favorites. Then there's the going to be way more yeah. problems. Yeah. Wow. Where, where, where I, I, I were I you that. six years ago? Uh, yeah. We didn't meet six years ago. I would have loved to use that. Uh, but, you know, I learned it the hard way, right? Like, I, I had a situation where, you know, we had to, like, leg off somebody. And it was, like, really painful for both of us, right? Like, because of that. Like, you didn't set it up, right? And then, you know, when we started handling the clients, also clear expectations with them, right? Then Because, you know, we have look, to. Look, look the, at the, the Graham thing, uh, mm -hmm. the this healthcare contract we're working on. I did not just say that word now. They're fine. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I've said, like, hey, guys, there's a good chance that – uh, Bobby and I get renewed because we have all the content now. We have all the micro content. We've mm -hmm. done all the interviews, which is Pablo and your guys' job in that equation. Yeah. And now they want to keep me on to continue to work on strategy and, and uh, landing pages and graphics and just, you know, weekly calls to talk strategy and Bobby on to continue to run every single ad on every single platform to figure it out. Yeah. And so I've said that from day one, that there's a chance that because this is a four person team, that this team gets divided up on what, what's needed They're, They might look and say, okay, we have 300 videos. Yeah. I don't think we need to produce more. And that doesn't define our relationship at all. I mean, like, yeah. cool. That was a great three month contract. We paid on time the first month. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, every month. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Y'all auto build me accidentally, <laughs> but, uh, shout out to Stripe. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but you know, it, there yeah. is this thing of like, uh, just clear expectations and honesty yep. of like, Hey guys, like as long as our identity isn't wrapped up in this contract and it's, it's wrapped up outside of this and this is just a thing that exists and we have clear expectation of what's going to happen and what could happen then everything's fine. Yeah. I, and yeah. I think that leads into you know strategic partnership i was gonna ask you like what does that yeah. mean to you right and, and at the end of the day like that's a that's an entry point right like now we're our relationship is at a different level you know personally and you know professionally and that can lead to other opportunities so what does that mean to you like what is a strategic partnership to you yeah so think about who has your customer mm. and then partner with them so a good example is if you own a gym then there's a good chance that Smoothie King and the fitness shop, uh, like a, what are what's a vitamin shop, vitamin store? Yeah. GNC, I vitamin yeah. shop, yeah. So there's a good chance that if you own a gym, that GNC has your customers. So your first move should be, how do I partner with GNC? Because, see, I want to do things that scale. And by that, I mean I want to do one partnership that could lead to 100 memberships. I don't want to go individually sell gym memberships to one person, another person, another person, another mm -hmm. person. I want to want to do things that it's like people working for me through partnerships. So a good example is, hi, I'm a photographer and I do corporate photography for tons of businesses. Hi, photographer. If you refer me web work, because all these people need websites and they might be hiring you because they have a new website, but they're not happy with their new website after it launches and we can manage existing websites. It doesn't, we don't have to build it. Uh, you know, you're going to work with people that, that everybody you work with as a corporate photographer has a website. Mm. I'll give you 20% of the total contract. So a $50,000 website, you're going to have a pretty nice payday. 20% yeah. of that, 10 grand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and all day long, because that's what my sales guy would get. My sales guys would get paid 20%. So I, I offer the same thing to whoever the marketing partner is. Yeah, same for you guys. If you all refer to me a web work, I would give you 20% of the deal. Um, 
And so that's a strategic take, partnership. Take notes, yeah. <laughs> notes Fonzie. Yeah. Come yeah. up. <laughs> Good. So that is a strategic partnership where yeah. it's who has my customer. So I want to do things that get me that that you're selling for me so I don't have to sell anymore. And so when you look at like uh, – American Express Platinum Card gets mm-hmm. you gold membership at Hilton. It gives you, uh, you know, $40 off at Ray-Ban. It gives you all these things. Because Ray-Ban goes, okay, we can run all these ads and all these things to get people $40 off. Or we can go to AMATS and say, hey, give all your card members this discount. And so AMATS goes, sweet. All our card members just got this discount. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's just there. And we get access to their millions of customers. And so, mm-hmm. you know, and on the back end of that, they're probably going to cut all the revenue from that order when that promo code's used, whatever the case is. But strategic partner, mm-hmm. look how every big company does things. Like, they do strategic partnerships. Yeah. Um, and look at a, a paint shop. A paint shop, you'll go there and say, hey, I want to get this paint in. And they go, okay, well, you'll need to get your bumper repaired. And we don't do bumper repair, but that company does. Look at doctor's offices. They go, Hey, uh, you need to be on these drugs, and uh, we recommend this pharmacist. Yes, yeah, absolutely. that's a strategic partnership. That pharmacist went to that doctor and created a strategic partnership. That's yeah. how companies grow. Yeah, companies grow via strategic partnerships. So when you ask people like, like, how are you planning on scaling? It's like, oh, word of mouth. <laughs> it's like, cool. Well, you're not going to scale. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like have fun. Like I treat people amazing. Like nobody's yeah. ever like very. I'm gonna say almost no one is is ever uh, upset over something, you know, we do or we or we mess up kind of thing or we don't make a ride if we were to mess up. Um, like, that almost never happens. We do everything right and by the book and we're really good at taking care of people. And guess what? We very, very rarely get referrals. That's why we offer 20%. That's why we're always trying to create partnerships. Yeah. So a good example is uh, used to, when I blew up the agency, how I did it was through doing white label services. Mm. So I would go to other agencies and I would go, look, I know for a fact that you don't build your websites in-house and the outsource <laughs> to some shitty group in India and you feel bad about it because it just feels yeah. gross that you're paying somebody $10 <laughs> an hour in another country not supporting the local economy. Mm. So let me tell you this. We got a group of U.S. developers and we do the exact same and we're a little more expensive but not a lot more expensive. Yeah. And I want you to send the white label work to me and it will still, you know, we'll still do all the work and you still get to put your logo on and say you did it but yeah. just we want that work. And so those strategic partnerships. Mm. And so... Um, that's how I look at, at, at scale and growing a business yeah. is through partnerships. And that's how I look at partnerships is I say, what, who's my customer? Who has my customer? Um, and so let's look at rabbit. Uh, so rabbit makes a kiosk nine by 12 inches that rents power breaks with the cords built in. We solve the problem of people's phones dying. There's been solutions, but they didn't solve the problem or at least they didn't solve the problem in the way that the customer wanted which means that they have complete freedom. They can grab it and go, rent and return anywhere. They can keep it. They can recharge themselves after they keep it. It's affordable, just a dollar an hour, whatever the case is. So we have everything figured out on product side. Now we just got to scale. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> what do you think has a better chance? Me going to LinkedIn, adding the CEO on of a hospital on LinkedIn, inviting him to lunch, getting to know him, and then spending a year to close that deal, maybe. If he just happened to set my invite and happened yeah. to grab lunch, even though he's a CEO of a billion-dollar corporation. Or if I make a partnership with his uh, with a guy that sells that sells them all their medical equipment. You know, like a guy who's known that, like, let's say that CEO's kid um, goes to a private school. Mm. And I know a guy whose kid also goes to that private school. I have a better chance of that guy saying, hey, give me 5% of the deal. I'm going to reach out to him. I'm going to pitch him, show him this because he listens to me. We or I coach his kid's team or whatever. You know, like, yeah. that's a strategic partnership. And that's a weird one. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I like yeah. to be more clear than that. But, like, you have to look at, like, with Rabbit, we didn't think, okay, knocking on every bar and be like, can we place this unit here? It's just, it's a weak approach. It sucks. It takes forever. Yeah. Talking to a franchise attorney that only works with franchises that have 100-plus locations and saying, hey, you bring me into these locations, we'll give you a cut of all the revenue these units produce. Yeah. Then he goes, hey, John, that he's worked with for 20 years, scaling him to his 300 franchises, we want to put these in every one of your franchises. Done deal, 300 placed overnight. 
That's mm. a strategic partnership. Yeah. So what's easier? That I go to each McDonald's in the U.S. and I knock, and I'm like, can I talk to the GM? Like, you only need to talk to corporate. I email corporate, and corporate's like, we don't know you, so therefore we're not going to respond or give you a chance today, or we're going to listen to your presentation. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Best mm. of luck. That's a, we all know how that game works. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how, like, nobody cares about the value you actually provide. They care about the relationship. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm obsessed with, like, doing the best, but it's like it comes down to the relationship. It's why shitty companies exist. Because typically the owner has good good relationships. Yeah. And he knows the right people. Like it doesn't. You don't have to be good. You just have to know the right people so you can scale something. And that's yeah. how you make money. Is is that saying the is not what you know, but who you know, right? And um, and I, like something that I've noticed about you is that you have an incredible network, right? And I heard in one of the podcasts that you did with with Pablo was that you were trying to move and stay in a, in a city for a certain amount of years so you can expand your network and then eventually move to the other one. And I'm curious, you know. Obviously, this is one of the reasons why you have this big network for strategic partnerships. How do you go, you know, about creating these partnerships it, it, for your business and for Rabbit or, or personal? Right? Yeah, so uh, it's all done through relationships. I, yeah. I sit down with, with Chad that I go to church with or whatever, and I go, hey, Chad, uh, who do you know in hospital, in, like, the hospital group? Oh, I know, I know Barry. Man, would you make an email intro to Barry for me? Just tell him we're going to something cool. I'd love to cut him in on a deal. Hey, Barry, Nathan Roth, I brought you a carrot. This is how it works. I know you have the relationships to be able to get this everywhere. And obviously, I'd want to pay you for that. And, uh, you know, we might need to get to know each other and you need to use it yourself. So I'm even willing to, I got a kiosk, extra kiosk in my car. You just want to put your house. It's unlocked to do unlimited free rentals. Just play with it yourself. You know, thankfully, people get the concept around, like, this is the coolest thing ever. It doesn't exist. With web design, it's a little differently. But I'll answer the question for Rabbit because yeah. it's a little easier. So it, um, there was a guy that was ever a, a there's a banker mm-hmm. and he was trying to get me to bank with him, which is great. When somebody's trying to get you to switch to them, <laughs> you can leverage it. And I was like, well, yeah. maybe if you make some intros for me, <laughs> that'll be great. Um, and so yeah. he made actually five really high level intros. One got me on shark tank. Um, apparently, I mean, I'm not legally allowed to ever say that. And I would never, you know, it got me on a shark tank like show or a show. It got me on a show Yeah, um, <laughs> that was like shark tank, you know, um, Anyway, that's all I can say about that. So he made that intro, and he made another intro, um, and uh, that intro was a guy that was over a payment processing company with 400,000 merchants. And so wow. I said, hey, you know, it'd be really cool if your payment processing company could just place all our units and all your merchants. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. throw it out there. I mean, yeah, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, it'd be cool if you gave me that Ferrari over there. <laughs> um, but see, the difference between... Uh, if, if, if you ask somebody for a Ferrari and they gave you a Ferrari, uh, I pretty much stole it. I didn't do anything for it. I didn't do any work for it. Mm-hmm. So you have to create a fear exchange. And so with this, it's saying, hey, I would love to go live at all your 440,000 merchants. In exchange, that's probably about $400 million a year in revenue for us. So do you want a percentage of our company? And therefore, if we sell for a billion, because let's say we sell for 2x revenue, mm-hmm. um, that you have a big exit, or do you just want a percentage of all the revenue produced at all the units you place? And what could that look like? Or do you want something else? You know, it needs to be a fear exchange. Yeah. I don't want you just to place 4,000 units and get nothing in return because yeah. I'm always going to feel bad. It's going to feel weird. I want a fear exchange. What does fear look like? Mm. And so uh, the conversation is always just around partnership and around almost it being yeah. a new business partner. With the the software we built for, for Title Boxing Club that we're now selling to all these we hope to sell to all gyms, but we've been selling other title boxing clubs because it's been yeah, easy. Yeah. Me and the owner of Title Nashville, Tyler, who's the number one franchise in the nation for several years, it was like, okay, I want to partner with this on you, and I'll give you a high percentage of all the recurring revenue. You make nothing on the one-time fees because that's like actual cost to get it set up. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we just split the recurring revenue that comes from this product we sell. Like strategic part, it made sense to him because he's like, cool, I already have all these relationships that I'm not monetizing. Yeah. Here's a chance for me to monetize them. Made sense for me because I've already built a product and I'm, I'm ready to get out there and make more, you know, we everybody wins. Mm. And so that's a fair exchange. Exactly. And, and that's another thing is like actually monetizing relationships. And so like you can have all these relationships, like Condoleezza Rice probably, like she's, a, she's the only woman member of Augusta National. Like her network is insane. 
but because she's not a corrupt politician, her net worth is only like a million and a half, two million. Like, you know, for yeah. somebody who's like yeah. the only female member of Augusta National, which is a pretty crazy thing, but she doesn't have any way to monetize. She doesn't do coaching. She doesn't do buyout. She doesn't, you know, she's not the Clinton family. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, but that's what I'm saying is like there's, you got to have a way to monetize uh, an audience. And so, yeah. um, and the more people you know, the more you can help other people. So, yeah. for example, Yes, I might get paid when I refer somebody. But the thing is, is that because I actually don't care about, uh, I don't, my dad got screwed over uh, by someone. And as everybody put this guy that got screwed over, including my dad, on a pedestal. So my mm. one of my early life lessons was don't put people on pedestals. Yeah. And so the truth is, your SD card limited, space remaining. We're good. Um, We're good. <laughs> so the, the We truth, have about 15 minutes. Okay. <laughs> We're Gucci. So the truth is, is that if another company comes along and they do the same amount of work as you mm -hmm. or better for a cheaper price, I'm going to go with them. Your relationship doesn't mean anything to me in that, that regard, mm. because I have to do what's best for the interest of my clients and best in who provided the most value. Now, because of a relationship, I'm going to go to you and say, look, their work's about the same and the price is cheaper. And I've had that happen to me. People say, look, Nathan, like they're doing the exact same thing as you. Their work is great. and They're five grand cheaper. And I'm like, go with them. And if it doesn't work out, you can always come back to me. I'm not, you know, like, yeah. you know, we're having a clear, we're being, I'm not going behind your back. We're having an honest conversation about this. Absolutely. And so it's just about like, you know, and some people, they only like when, when you only refer your friends, then you typically get a, like, it's just a bunch of shitty referrals. And so it, it's not about like, it's not about who voted for who for president or somebody's president. It's not about anything. Like you remove all politics of everything. Like, yeah, and it's just about the value they provide. So if you, man, I'm looking for a green energy consultant. All right, here's this dude that thinks socialism socialism is better than capitalism. A view that I don't have at all. I think capitalism is how you solve all the world's problems. Yeah, but if he's really good at green energy consulting, and, my, and he's you know he fits what my clients looking for, I'm going to refer him. Yeah. yeah, like I'm just trying to do. I'm trying to make the right connections, even if my best friend does it. But if uh, my best friends may be too pricey or not a good fit or whatever the case is. Yeah. And so you can't, when you build relationships, they have to be very real, genuine relationships, but you also have to have clear guidelines. You're not just going to refer people because you know them. Yeah, absolutely. Do I that. love that. And, and I think that, you know, that opens a little loop here because we know you're starting a podcast, right? And is this part of, you know, trying to get in contact with more people, build more relationships yeah, and course. build strategic partnerships? Yeah, um, the reason I want to do long-form relationships or long-form uh, content and podcasts, like three-hour podcast, is because I realized that I, I would have invited all these CEOs on a podcast I had a couple years ago, and nobody knew why they were successful, no matter how big their company was. All of them did, th like, never strategically thought about most things in their business. They just, like, found out how to scale or how the right, you know, like, whatever. The, it was just, like, very, like, wow, you have a $10 million business, you have a $50 million business, and you don't have a clue about, you know, like, yeah. it was just kind of like, it was amazing how, like, it just yeah. shows that in America, because we're capitalist, all you have to do is decide you want to be successful and you can be successful. All mm -hmm. it is is a decision. Because yeah. I saw a bunch of people that, like, really did not strategically think about most things, and they were running $50 million companies. Mm -hmm. And it was the short, asked the same questions every time, and it got really boring, and just like, yeah, everybody's got the same story, nobody has real answers. And so I decided, man, I actually want to, give up all the interview BS that you do and I do, you know, think about like when you like, and I just want to cut all of that and sit back and be like, so you ever cheated on your wife? Why'd you do that? Were you in a really bad spot in life? how did you get there? <laughs> yeah. Like what, what, what led to that? What led to redemption? Yeah. Like that's going to be a three hour can of, can of worms right Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. so I just wanted to like get to know people and film it because that's real content that people really relate to one and two, it's me and this dude that doesn't know each other talking deep life stuff for four hours. Yeah. And so yeah. that takes me growing that relationship exponentially quicker. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's the reason I do like a bunch of things. So it's like I, um, my key to growing relationships, and it could change, but right now it's podcast, poker nights, and dinners. Mm. So I want to invite a bunch of people over for poker because it's four hours of us just, you know, getting to know each other. Yep. Same way as like playing golf with somebody, it's four hours on a course. The difference with poker is it's 12 people around a table where, yeah. where you're only going to have three other people playing golf. And some people get so into golf that they can't really think right. And so, you're not, <laughs> you, know, you know, because they're like so frustrated or whatever with poker, it's like most people are pretty chill playing poker they, all the they time. Can, they can focus because the first yeah. holes you don't play good and yeah. then on the fourth <laughs> one you're yeah. like, you want to bet? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and so. Poker night and, and yeah, poker night and dinner. there's, yeah, yeah there's podcasts, there's, podcast, podcast, yeah. there's poker nights, there's dinner. It's dinner's the same thing. A lot of people, community, food, long yep. form stuff. Like why'd I install, why'd I put a pinball machine in my home? I bought a pinball machine from 1957 for 800 wow. bucks on Facebook marketplace. <laughs> uh, and it's all mechanical and it's super cool. Yeah. I've never played ping pong in my life. I just thought it would be a cool thing that maybe um, anybody in their 60s, typically not 50s, maybe somewhat 50s, depending on where they grew up, grew up playing pinball a lot. Like, this was a thing you did yeah. uh, if you, like, I guess as you grew up in the 70s. Because if, if you're in your 60s, you'd grow up during the 70s, I think. I'm not great at math. Um, and so I thought, okay, who's the CEO of most companies that are in their like they're in their fifties and sixties. So I wanted to come to my home, see that. And then be like, Oh, this is so cool. Like I'm doing anything to relate with them. I'm doing, you know, like I'm very strategic about all this. And it's like the reason, like I bought a super dope cloud couch. Um, yeah. and it was the only reason of like, I just want when people come to my home, they're like, wow, he's got the TV. He's got the pinball machine. He's got the studio. Like, I just want to hang out here. I just want to be here. Yeah. Cause my goal is to build relationships. Cause that's yeah, how absolutely. everything scales. That's how everything happens. Like, like how I got investors for rabbit was through relationships. Like how, like, how I get clients is through relationships. Like the mm. uh, the only reason you guys have this contract with with healthcare is because I know Pablo who knows you. Yeah, absolutely. Or else it'd probably be whoever ranked highest on Google when I was doing a Google search for micro content creation would have gotten the job. Yeah. yeah, you know because I I would have had no contest of where to go. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Today has been mind-blowing, amazing. Thank you for being super yeah, honest. We're going to cut it at cut it an hour five? We can't go three hours? We can. I know, right? Uh, and that, I mean, we said you... I am you're, down. You're leaving Saturday, so you know, we, 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 need to, we need to ask the girlfriend. Is she okay with that, right? She's like, I'm used to this. She's like, let's go. Uh, I, I am curious, though. So you said, right, podcast, poker night, and dinner. Where do you usually take people for dinner? I mean, at my home, yeah. So oh, I, I so bought, a, I bought a big dining room table. Okay, my plan cool. is just to, like, uh, my girlfriend, uh, who I won't say her name. By the way, I never, I, I never mention my girlfriend by name or anything or tag her on Instagram. Yep. And it's just because, like, when I do stuff that's controversial, I don't want anybody trying to kill her. And so, like, I never mention or post yep. photos only for her security. If everybody, you know, yep. like, I have a girlfriend, I fully they, state that everywhere. They, they secretly um, have the men in black <laughs> machine. So, like, they'll do that to us when, um, when they leave the studio. And yeah. so, anyway, my girlfriend's an incredible uh, cook. And, oh, uh, nice. and so, and I love, uh, you know, I love ice cream that I buy from the store <laughs> to serve after. I no, mean, and so, I can see here in your page that <laughs> your favorite flavor now, what's your fa it's, is salted yeah. peanut butter with chocolate, <laughs> chocolate flakes. There we oh, go. Delicious. From, yes. Only from Jenny's. Only from Jenny's. So I look at dinners as, you know, whether it's smash burgers or it's tacos or it's pasta. I mean, it can be simple, but everybody yeah. loves a nice home-cooked yeah. meal. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, and I think it's just a good way, like community. We haven't we haven't had anybody ever yet. <laughs> we nerds, I say this. We've we got to Dallas and we're still getting settled in, and we're yeah. we're pretty much there. I've been traveling a lot. Come January, we can really start to test some of these theories. If awesome. they don't work, if nobody wants to come to our dinners, or I can't get it, you know, it's just it's like, cool. We we'll do something else, you know. Yeah. But absolutely, it's hey, all about we, trying. We, we told you yesterday we have two people that we think are going to be a a good fit for for trying those dinners yeah. at your house, you know. So we'll definitely absolutely. make those introductions. We'll make those introductions, man. Uh, and again, this is. The reason we had to end this, well, part one is <laughs> I do have one. a call, so that's it. Like <laughs> it just sucks because we were able to like bu like book you in your busy schedule with our schedule, and but uh, this we need to repeat this a hundred percent. You know, I can only dream of a studio like yours next time you come <laughs> in. So you know, after you consult with JWB, you know maybe we can get you in here. Like Nate, like what's up? <laughs> what's the what's the Biz Bros vision here for for the studio man? And uh, and I appreciate you for for everything that you've done, everything that you talked to. I think it has been probably one of the most honest conversations that we've had here on the show i appreciate yeah. you for that yeah thank you uh from doing it in a different setup you know <laughs> to not mu background music man and, and it's okay right because I love it, yeah uh, it's it's about the materials about the conversation that we can have so how how do people connect with you how can you know people uh find out more about you about your companies about what you guys do or you know about rabbit yeah, so uh, NathanRuff.com, N-A-T-H-A-N-R-U-F-F.com, and that redirects to Macho website, which I won't say because it's just difficult. Um, 
And then my Instagram's at the Nathan Ruff. I uh, use that a lot. Um, and then my number is 615-280-0878. You can just text me or call me or whatever. It's obviously not my main number. Um, <laughs> so I do have an iPhone. So when you're like, oh, it's lights up green. Yeah, I'm not going to give you my <laughs> iMessage number. But that's, uh, that's my second number that you're welcome to text or blow up. Uh, and I could block you or whatever the case is. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I want to be easy to access. So that's, that's kind of the best way to go about it. Yeah. Awesome, man. Thank appreciate you again it. so much. I uh, appreciate you guys having yeah. uh, coming here to, to the studio. And uh, with that being said, guys, thank you so much for tuning into the Contents Profit Podcast. Go ahead and subscribe. Hit smash that subscribe button. And uh, follow us on social media. I'm Bees Roscoe. <laughs> That's right. And if you find this episode impactful, which I am sure you did, please don't forget to share it and, and leave a five-star review. Thank you. Thank you, guys. <laughs>